Okay. We, uh, we've been going through the Bible together. We're in, uh, you know, reading through in the, um, I don't know, through the Bible in a year list thing. And one of the verses you read last week says this. Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, this is what the Lord commands. When a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word, but he must do everything he said. So this morning we're going to talk about oaths, vows, pledges, keeping our word. It's an extremely important thing. It's mentioned many times in the Bible. Now back in the days of like Moses and back in the days of Jesus, if you wanted to buy somebody's donkey, you didn't go to an attorney, fill out a document, sign it. You know, you just gave your word. You give me your three donkeys today, I'll pay you for one of them today. Next month when the dates come in, I'll give you, you know, 20 bushels of dates. And then the following year, I'll give you 30 bushels of dates. You know, shake hands, whatever. It's done, done. But if you really didn't know the person really well, you needed a little more than just their word. So you'd ask them to swear, take an oath. And then they had different types of oaths that they would take for different things. And different oaths were like more binding than other oaths. I, I don't understand the, this whole thing. Like I was watching TV the other day, and this guy was talking to, I don't know, a cop or something. He says, I swear on my mother. He said, your mother's dead. I swear on my mother's grave. Well, what's that even mean? I swear on my mother's grave. I don't know what that means. But somehow, if you say that, that's supposed to mean you're telling the truth. So, nowadays we have contracts. And as we're going to see a little later on in the lesson, they don't seem to be any more helpful than, than oaths were. Type of oaths we do have today, though, we still have some. And when I sat down and started writing a list, I came up with at least five kinds. You might be able to think of more. Um, for example, when you join the military, you have to take an oath. So let's say you're going to be a lieutenant in the United States Air Force. These are the words that you'll have to say. I, John Smith, having been appointed as a lieutenant in the United States Air Force, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which I am about to enter, so help me God. So, that's an oath. That's called a swearing-in ceremony. And you know, if you're going to be in the military, or you're going to be a cop, or if you're going to be a senator, or you're going to be a president, you have to be sworn in. And this is our version of a modern-day oath in God's name. I served on the grand jury many years ago. And sometimes we would bring in witnesses, and they would testify. Just like you've seen on TV, the words are something often like this. Do you so-and-so solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? But nowadays, they, do you swear or affirm to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Oftentimes they'll leave out the so help me God part, which is a shame. And I've always wondered about that, you know. Why do people have to swear to tell the truth in a court of law? Because if they're liars 
and they swear to tell the truth, what's that, ma- what's that matter? They're liars. They're swearing to tell the truth and they're lying. But if they're not liars, then they don't need to swear to tell the truth because they're going to tell the truth anyway. So it seems to me to be silly to have somebody swear to tell the truth. You just ask them, tell the truth. Are you telling the truth? Yes, I am. Done. They either are or they aren't. But putting their hand on a Bible and swearing to tell the truth, to me, just seems like a waste of time. But whatever. We also do a lot of promising in our culture. To me, this is like a modern oath. If you promise somebody something, let's say, um, say you own a restaurant and you've got a, a guy who comes in there every Sunday. Every Sunday he's in there eating. And then one day you see his face on TV. He's running for Senate. And you go and check him out and you realize, man, this guy, he represents everything you stand for. And you go and you tell him, you know what? Good, 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 good job, man. You, you win. And I'll tell you what, from this point on, if you win... I will provide you a free breakfast for you and your family every Sunday for the rest, as long as you serve. As long as you're serving, I'm providing you a free breakfast. That's an oath. You don't have to sign a contract. You don't have to say, so help me God. You just promised him something. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Contracts are modern oaths. You sign on the dotted line that you affirm, you swear, you promise to pay $1,200 a month on that mortgage until the whole thing's paid off about 30 years from now, and you promise not to be late. And if you are late, they'll tell you you get a grace period. But if you mess up that grace period, then you've got to pay X amount as penalty. And if you are still late, then we have the right to foreclose and take the home back. And you have to pay X amount of fees. And you agree to that, and you sign on the dotted line. And that's supposed to be set in stone. No way around it. No way out of it. So we have military oaths. We have court oaths. We have promises. We have contracts. We have wedding vows. I, Steve, do solemnly swear. No, we don't say it that way. (laughs) I, Steve, take you, Deanne, to be my lawfully wedded wife. And I do promise and covenant for God and these witnesses to be thy faithful and loving husband in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And then the spouse turns around and says the same. It's an oath. Before God and these witnesses, I swear, till death do us part. But one of the things I noticed in the military oath and the court oath and in some other types of oaths They say, I do swear or affirm, and they let you decide which one you want to say. You can say, I swear to tell the whole truth, or I affirm to tell the whole truth. Now, why? What's the difference? There are some people who it's against their religion to take oaths. So they're not allowed to swear, but they are allowed to promise. They're allowed to affirm that they'll... They're going to say, I will tell the truth. They're just not allowed to swear to it. Now, why is that? Well, that's actually based on the New Testament. There's a couple of verses in the New Testament. Well, let me read them to you, and you'll understand why people won't take oaths. This is Jesus. He said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Don't break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, don't swear at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And then his disciple James, in his book, wrote this. Above all, my brothers, don't swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, 
or you will be condemned. You'll fall under condemnation. So reading Jesus' words, reading James' words, people come to the obvious conclusion that we as believers are not supposed to take oaths. But there's more to it than that. This appears, anything beyond this comes from the evil one, or you will be condemned. This appears to make it look like oaths are bad, like they're evil, but they're not evil. So something's missing. There's, there's a loss of information in here somewhere. How do I know they're not evil? Well, listen. Listen to what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take oaths in his name. So obviously, Jesus in the Old Testament can't be telling people to take oaths, and then in the New Testament telling them it's evil to take an oath. There's, we're missing some information somewhere. Oaths obviously aren't always bad. God himself takes oaths in the Bible. Abraham went to send his servant off to find a wife for his son. And while he's sending off the servant, this is what he said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me on oath, God promised me on oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son. So we know that God told the children of Israel to take oaths in his name. God himself had pledged oaths to Abraham. In Revelation chapter 10, a mighty angel also takes an oath. He swears. I'm in chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. Then the angel I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it. And he said, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. So I had to ask myself this question. If oaths aren't bad, why does Jesus say, and James say, don't make them? And I had to sit down and say, well, they're obviously not bad, and yet if you take them, they can be evil. They're not always evil. One of the things I came up with is, I know this, the fewer oaths you make, the fewer oaths you break. You following me? And if oaths are really important, and as we read through the scriptures, we see that they are. They're very, I mean, God takes them very seriously. So if you can risk breaking it, then why make it? It's better just, just not make it than to make it and risk breaking it. There were certain types of oaths that were permitted. But I think generally speaking, it's unwise to make them because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What if I, you know, Rich gets a new car, and he says, you know, I want to take it on a desert run to see if it's any good. If I break down between here and Yuma, would you come get me tomorrow? Yeah, I'll come get you. You promise? Yeah, I promise. Okay, so he goes and he takes his car, and he's on his way to Yuma. And the freakiest thing happens. My car breaks, and I get the call. Now what do I do? I promised. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 23 says this. If you make a vow to the Lord your God 
Don't be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. So vows are optional. It's wise to avoid them. Avoid them. But what about wedding vows? (laughs) Should we avoid wedding vows? I don't... (laughs) No. No, I don't think so either. Um, Here's the thing about these type of vows, like a wedding vow. When I chose to follow Jesus, I made a commitment to obey him. In that... I won't lie, I won't cheat, I won't steal. So let's say I'm offered a job at a Fortune 500 company as the chief financial officer. I'm gonna be handling millions of dollars. They do a background check on me, they see I don't have a criminal record, but they want me to sign a contract that I solemnly swear to be faithful in handling their accounts and I will in no wise embezzle, steal, defraud, or take any of their money. Would I sign that? Absolutely. Why would I sign that if vows are wrong? I already made that vow when I became a follower of Jesus. I already vowed not to steal or embezzle or cheat people. So telling somebody that I promised that, it's no big deal. It's the same with the wedding. The Bible says, with very few exceptions, when you get married, you hang in there for the rest of your life. So when I stand before my fiancé in front of a pastor and assembled witnesses and promise to hang in there for the rest of my life, I'm not making a new vow. I've already made that vow to God when I became a believer. That's his way for marriage, and I'm going to do his way in life for everything. So to me, certain vows, like a wedding vow, are totally acceptable because it's not adding any new burden that I hadn't already taken on when I became a believer. I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. That's my life story. So it shouldn't be a big deal to make the promise, should it? Our word should be our bond. But what if you make a promise and things change? Go back to the restaurant you own. (laughs) The guy becomes a senator, and you're proud to have the senator eating every Sunday morning, and you tell him his money's no good, and you pay for his... Sunday morning breakfast, every Sunday he shows up. And then something happens. The senator, who represented all your values and you were so proud of, does a 180. He flips, joins a different party, and everything he stood for that you supported, he no longer stands for. Now he stands against. Let's say you're pro-family, now he's not. You were pro-life, and now he's not. You were pro-Second Amendment, and now he's not. And you don't like this guy anymore. In fact, he's become the devil to you. Do you still give him breakfast? Because now you think, I'm giving the devil breakfast. I'm supporting this guy who wants to kill babies and wants to confiscate my firearms. I'm not going to feed a man. That's like supporting the devil. You made a promise. You give him breakfast as long as he's in office because you said you would doesn't matter if he's the devil now. You shouldn't have made the promise, but you made it. Do it. Well, Steve, hey, like I said, don't make oaths. You never know what's going to happen. My car broke down. I can't tell you, dude, sorry, my car broke down. i got to get him. I'll rent a car. I'll borrow a car. I'll get on the Greyhound. I made a promise. 
You following me? We in our culture, we're just too, oh man, circumstances change. Sorry, dude. No, sorry, dude, doesn't cut it when you make a promise. So don't make promises. Um, silly example. But let's say we're all going to meet up tomorrow at, you know, Waterworld in Phoenix, whatever it's called. And um, say, well, I really don't want to go if you're not going. Okay, I'll be there. Really? Without you, I don't want to go. Okay, I'll be there. So you get in your car, you drive up to Waterworld, and you're not there. The other guy's not there. You get on the phone. Dude, where are you? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I just wasn't feeling good today. No. You get your butt in the car and you get up there. You said you would be there. That's not right. It's not right. You can say, I will be there tomorrow unless something you know, crazy happens. You can say that. Then something crazy happens, you don't have to go. But if you say you're going to go, you got to go. you got to keep your word. So I try not to make promises. Like when my kids were little, we'd planned a trip to Disneyland. But I wouldn't tell them, we are going to Disneyland next week. Because what if something happened? I would tell them, we're planning on going to Disneyland next week. And if all works out, we'll be there. That's how I would tell them. Because then if it didn't work out, I was still keeping my word. And that's how we should walk through life. Otherwise, you're going to end up serving breakfast to the devil. <laughs> Vows are optional. Therefore, it's wise to avoid them. Our word should be our bond. If we make a promise but things change, it doesn't matter. Listen, Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless. He who does what is righteous. Who speaks the truth from his heart. Has no slander on his tongue. Who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. Close off with a true story. This is an article I read called Keeping Your Word by Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt has appeared on CNN, Wall Street Journal, um, Business Week, Forbes. This is no slouch. He leads a, a major corporation, and this is what he wrote. Several months ago, a former executive at our company made a commitment to a third party via email. It's obvious that he didn't research the cost of his promise, nor did he get anyone else's approval. I was not aware of the obligation until the other party brought it to our attention. When I learned that the commitment was north of six figures, I gasped. Several realizations immediately popped into my head. One, the executive no longer worked at the company. Two, he obviously didn't count the cost. Three, he wasn't authorized to make the commitment. Four, the project is already underwater. Five, this amount is not in our budget. Six, I wasn't even aware of the commitment. Seven, our CFO, Chief Financial Officer, he wasn't aware of the commitment either. However, after a few moments, I remembered that our first core value at Thomas Nelson is honoring God. 
we amplify this by saying that we honor God in everything we do. We then go on to describe the behaviors that express this value. The fourth item on the list is this. We honor our commitments, even when it's difficult, expensive, or inconvenient. That brought everything into clear focus. And he said this was initially motivated by Psalm 15, which I just read to you about a person who keeps their vows even when it hurts. So he goes on to write, Simply put, this means that our word is sacred. I don't think it's claiming too much to say that this premise is the foundation of Western society. Without it, our society begins to fall apart. When I was growing up, a promise and a handshake were all you needed. Contracts were largely foreign and unnecessary. In fact, to insist on one would have been an insult. Why? Because a man's word was his bond. No one was willing to risk their social capital or relational equity by breaking their word. My, how times have changed. Twice in this last month, I've had people blatantly dishonor their own word. And both were under contract. Their obligations were explicit. There was no ambiguity. This is tragic, especially for them. Keeping your word is the essence of integrity. Yes, keeping your word is sometimes difficult, expensive, and inconvenient. But the cost of not doing so is even more expensive. Being a follower of Jesus, we should be setting the standard higher the bar higher. We should be the people that everybody looks at and says, that man, that woman keeps his or her word. That person is trustworthy. I know I could leave a million dollars on the counter in the presence of that person, and when I get back, it'll still be there. Those are the kind of people we should be. This is the kind of people God wants us to be. Let me ask you something. Have you made a commitment to follow Jesus? And if so, did you mean it? Are you keeping your word? Even when it's hard, even when it's embarrassing, even when it's expensive or uncomfortable. So this morning, before you leave, I'd like to ask you to re-examine your commitment to Jesus and see if you've been honest with that commitment. And if you have, praise God. And if you haven't, apologize. And then commit and start walking right. For the rest of you here or online, um, if you haven't made a commitment to Jesus, consider it. But the last thing I'd want you to do is to make it without counting the cost, without thinking it all the way through. Are you willing to be this kind of person, the kind of person God wants you to be? Are you willing to walk the walk even when it's hard? That's the kind of commitment that matters. And those are the kind of followers Jesus is looking for. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we want to be the kind of people you want us to be. We want to stand out as honest. We want to stand out as strong. We want to stand out as kind and patient and loving. Please help us to be that way. I commit... And I pray that the people would share this prayer to following you to the best of my ability. And I pray that you would forgive me when I'm weak 
Grant me repentance when I'm wrong and help me to be strong. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I pledge my loyalty and service to him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.